Welcome to the Sovereign Goddess Podcast, conversations with spiritual teachers and thought leaders to help empower women to honor all facets of her human experience through vulnerability, compassion, and authenticity. Through spiritual principles, self-care, and ritual, we are gathered here to be the light we wish to see in the world as we inspire the rise of authentic feminine leadership. I'm your host, Sabrina Riccio, creative soul behind Shamanessa Godessa, and here I'll be sharing with you personal insights as well as authentic conversations with modern medicine women and entrepreneurs alike to inspire you to stay true to your soul by embracing and unleashing your inner wild women as you embark on your journey to help serve the highest good. We are here to support you as you go forth and share your medicine with the world. If you've enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to the Sovereign Goddess podcast channel and leave a review. Keep up with your Sovereign Sisters by using our hashtag Sovereign Goddess. I invite you to connect with me on Instagram at Shamanessa Godessa. If you're hearing the call and are ready to thrive, join the Sovereign Sisterhood by visiting sabrinariccio.com. I'm your host, Sabrina Riccio, and today I have the immense pleasure to introduce to you Sahara Rose, a a fellow spiritual activist, yogini, and sovereign goddess. She's a certified holistic and Ayurvedic sports nutritionist that is internationally known for her unique blend of ancient Eastern healing wisdom with modern Western nutritional science. As the founder of eatfeelfresh.com, she offers easy-to-follow plant-based solutions to help her clients achieve mind-body balance. Sahara is the author of Eat Right for Your Mind-Body Type and is currently working on her upcoming book, The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. Thank you for joining me today, goddess. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. So it's a podcast and your whole brand develop. I'm... I had the pleasure of meeting Sabrina on my Candida program. Yes. About a year ago, maybe even less than a year ago. No, it was this, it was earlier this year. Earlier this year. Wow. How yeah. And I did a consultation with her and I think it was before all of this started, but you were like thinking about doing it and it's so amazing and inspiring to see your entire business kind of come out so authentically from your heart. And I am so um, honored to be you know, part of your, one of your first podcast episodes, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Thank you, sister. Oh my God. So awesome. I know it's crazy. Like I really want to dive into a lot to this candida stuff um, because I think it's something that, you know, I've been working through since high school. So over 10 years and earlier this year, you know, I was like, I, it's time for me to like take care of my body and like take responsibility for what I'm putting in and, you know, really understanding that my gut health is everything. Uh, So I really want to dive into that. But first, I want you to share with everyone who you are, what you're doing, how you've gotten to this point to build this this powerful queendom you have. Like, oh my gosh, like this whole new Harvard board, like there's so many amazing things you're doing. So I just want you to share with people the journey that has brought you to this moment right now. Um, Well, thank you so much for all your kind words. Really, about two and a half years ago, I was so confused 
because I knew I was a healer. I knew I wanted to help people. Um, my entire life I've known that when I was in middle school, I remember they were like, dress up like your hero. And everyone's like, you know, Britney Spears, this. And I was like, I came in like Gandhi outfit one day. Oh my God, so amazing. I've just always been like on that path. That's something very clear to me, but I didn't really, I thought to help people, you have to like go join the Peace Corps. So I was always planning on joining the Peace Corps. I went to school in Washington, D.C. to become an international human rights lawyer and work for child advocacy, child trafficking, prostitution, and soldiers. So that brought me to D.C. And then I went there and I worked at nonprofit organizations. And I realized that I w- they weren't getting anything done. I wanted to be there on the ground helping people. I wanted to be talking to people and working with people and like seeing them. And I didn't want to be filling out spreadsheets. So that made me get super actually depressed because I was like, well, then what, what is my calling? Like, what am I here to do? And during that time, it was like, this is like six years ago. So people weren't blogging that much, but I started like going on Pinterest and finding all these like healthy recipes. And I wasn't really like that healthy. Like I was kind of into it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to like start this like blog about like these healthy recipes that I find. And it was just something, and then I was like, what am I going to call it? And I was like, oh, you feel fresh. So just sort of like had no intention of ever doing this as any sort of career. Something I just wanted to do for fun. Isn't that how it usually goes? Like, exactly. It's so interesting because you talk about how like, you know, when you were a kid, you dressed up like Gandhi and so much of, you know, I believe that like when we're children, we are so in tune with, you know, what's in alignment with our truth and, you know, But then we get like these messages from society and telling us that like, oh, no, you need to do this. And then a lot of times we steer clear. And even though like you're not Gandhi, (laughs) you, you share like the essence of Gandhi in the work that you're doing. I mean, you have like your Saraswati Couture line, which I want you to talk about a little bit. That's helping with that human trafficking. So, again, it's like pieces of the puzzle that get a little more refined as you go through experience that I think is, you know, we don't have like, it's part of like, you have the vision, but it gets, it's better than you could ever imagine, you know, once you actually get there. Right. Yeah. I think like a lot of us, we grow up in a society that says you have to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So I thought in order to help people, I have to give my life away. So I thought like when I was a little kid, I was like, I must have to become a nun because nuns are the only ones who can help people. <laughs> and I was like, I get, and then I was like, I remember being like universe, like, I, I guess I'll never get married. I'll never have a life. I just, cause I knew that my calling was to help people. So now it's like amazing because we're seeing in this like spiritual divine feminine era, like you can have your cake and eat it too. Like you can like have an amazing life that you love and like love where you live and love your everyday life and still be making an impact. And I thought that, you know, like I was someone that wanted to make a large scale. Like I always loved psychology and working one-on-one with people, but like my own personal truth is more like speaking and writing and like doing things like that. So it's amazing because now with the internet, you can do that. You can be sitting at home. Like we are like, I'm in my PJs here, you're over there and we're still reaching so many people. So I love that that is becoming, you know, such a medium for people to use. And I feel like a lot of us were kind of afraid of, you know, using the internet and like learning these things. And like, yes, there is a lot to learn and things are constantly changing. But if you can just like get past that, there is so much you can do out there. So I think it's really important for women to see, like, don't be afraid of, like, the online space. Totally. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, 
You know, the biggest thing, like I've always been told, cause like, I'm just like hippie running around, you know, and I'm like in a, grew up in like a very like old retirement space in Palm Springs. And so everyone's always like, oh, you were at Woodstock. Like you're part of the wrong generation or like, you're not supposed to be here. And I'm like, no, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be because then I can, you know, like really follow my heart and really connect with people no matter where I'm at and like be able to learn the lessons from back there. So like, I believe that in a past life I was Janis Joplin. <laughs> there but it's like I have like we have the wisdom and stuff in the back especially as healers and teachers now and then being able to like see the evolution of feminine leadership and seeing how we're rising up and understanding that we have permission to be who we are and, and to be authentic like today I posted uh on Instagram before I got here it's like be a real model not a role model and like I think the biggest thing that keeps women from stepping out of the spiritual closet is that they feel like they need to compare to the other women they see on social media mm-hmm. and so a huge part of that it's like no like I, I call bullshit I was like enough like we need people to be authentic and to really honor all facets of the human experience and I mean that's the intention of this podcast is to you know have these conversations with women so that it's like oh wow like you know, they, they've had hard roads or like, oh, wow. Like, you know, they've learned to surrender and something bigger was in store. And so I just feel like this evolution and this technology that we can travel around and create this world that we want, like we are literally witnessing the paradigm shift, like right before our eyes. And it's awesome that like, I mean, I found you, I, I found you from like an email list, like I said, and then like, is your candida program and then I had some health issues that kind of steer like pointed towards that with like having my gallstone issues like earlier this year too so it's just like really uh taking responsibility even for like the food that I'm eating and understanding that you know our serotonin's built in our gut and not so much our brain and so understanding like now we have like all this modern science which you really talk a lot about and like we're seeing even this shift about food and you know like this GMO conversation and um, farmer markets and like people are becoming more aware of even like the food that they're eating like that's I love watching your Instagram stories because you're always at like the grocery store being like this is sugar this is bad this is not candida friendly like <laughs> this is not good for your dogs don't get it just because it's <laughs> not <laughs> I know now I'm like all about dog health too now that I got this puppy yeah so it's like you know and yoga is growing in popularity and a big thing about yoga is you know the science of Ayurveda and so you are really leading the way with Ayurveda like working with the Harvard board of public health and you're creating this idiot's guide to Ayurveda and I think I feel people are more interested, you know, there's the rise of ghee coming around and there's like more people understanding their dosha types, not everyone. So I was just wondering if you can talk a little about a little bit about Ayurveda and why it's important for us to be aware of our mind body type. Yes, definitely. Well, with the rise of yoga, the so if you go to a yoga class and you're there to become healthier and more balanced and, you know, improve your flexibility and things like that you're not practicing yoga, you are practicing Ayurveda. The purpose of yoga is to become one with Brahma. It is for spiritual enlightenment. That is what true yoga is. The purpose of Ayurveda is to make your physical and mental 
bodies as healthy as possible. So most people don't realize like 99% of people in the yoga class are not actually practicing yoga. They are just doing it for health reasons. So these sister sciences came in the Vedas. Ayurveda is part of the Upavedas, which are the secondary Vedic teachings. And in these teachings, it says that you cannot achieve spiritual enlightenment unless you are physically healthy. Being healthy is a predecessor to that. If, you know, when you're sick, all you can think about is like, how can I get better? How can I get better? You can't think about like, how can I transcend my physical body? It's like, no, I just need to get better. You're stuck in your physical. Mm-hmm. So in order to reach out of that and become so much more and step into your highest self, your physical body has to be healthy. You have to feel okay. You can't, you can't have aches and pains and digestive issues. And another a really important part about Ayurveda is you are not what you eat, but you are what you digest. Mm-hmm. So everything that we digest is assimilated and it turns into our bodies. And that is not only food, but we also digest thoughts and emotions. So undigested thoughts and emotions accumulate as fat in our body. So Ayurveda is based off of the three main doshas, which are based off of the five natural elements, which are air, ether, which is space, water, earth, and fire. So these elements make up the three doshas, which are vata, pitta, and kapha. Vata, I like to think of it like the fall wind. It's very airy and spacey. Um, If you think about the autumn season, which we're in right now, it's cold, dry, rough, moving. There's lots going on. Everyone's like in that back to school mode, even if you're not in school anymore, people are kind of you know, they're starting new projects and you're, you're, there's a lot of movement going on mentally and physically, but at the same time, that's when we tend to get sick and fall off balance. So that's where it's also releasing a lot during this time too. You know, it's like, look at the fall leaves, like we're releasing the old during this time. And then like the grand, the grandmother winds are like pushing it all through. Exactly. We're creating space right now for the winter and only keeping what we really need to kind of hold on and go into our winter caves. So in spring, we can sprout something new to life. So that winter time brings on kapha, which is earth and water energy. So kapha is very dense, heavy, stagnant. It takes in. Um, So whereas vata is cold and dry, kapha is cold and wet. So I like to think about the earth taking in the water in spring. So physically, kapha people might feel like extra heavy. That's why we gain weight in the winter, winter weight or winter laziness. It's all related to kapha. We just don't feel like moving our bodies. And also mentally, if we get too far into that, mentally, our thoughts are no longer going to be circulating. And then that continues into the spring and then the earth begins to sprout flowers and come back into its circle of life and the sun starts rising higher in the sky. We have daylight savings again and it turns into pitta time. So pitta is both fire and water energy. So fire and water are the two most powerful elements. They are in charge of all transformation. Um, So pitta is very lively. It is goal-oriented, ambitious, hardworking, to the point, sharp, oily. So pitta in our bodies, we might feel overheated, acidic, rashes, acne. Um, And then in our minds, we might, on the good side, feel really sharp and like go-getter, trying to get things done. But on the flip side, we might become angry, impatient, agitated, and things like that. So every single dosha has its balance and its imbalance. 
And we are born with something called our prakriti, which is our natural doshic constitution. It's like the deck of cards that we were handed at birth. Like, you know, I have brown hair and you have like these color eyes and it's just our DNA. So we all have a specific constitution. Like maybe I'm primarily vata, secondarily kapha, lastly pitta. That's what I was born with. But then we have our vikriti, which is how our diet and lifestyle and season affect it. So maybe I'm eating a lot of pitta increasing foods, or maybe I'm living in a very vata environment, or maybe I'm just, you know, not getting out of bed. So it's going to increase my kapha. So the purpose of Ayurveda, the secret of achieving health is to make your vikriti, the dosha constitution you have now, match your prakriti. Mm-hmm. Because then there's also like the, you know, your, your mind has a certain dosha and then the body has that yeah. certain dosha well, too. That is something. So in traditional Ayurvedic texts, so I say Ayurveda in India. And before that I had studied holistic nutrition and sports nutrition, which are very Western. So in India, they were like, Oh, you have one dosha and that's what it is. Like, don't question it. And I, and I thought, well, I really relate to this one in my body and this one in my mind. And like, I don't really think it's just one. So in a traditional Ayurvedic book, they would say, if you're Vata, your mind and body are Vata because the mind and body are interconnected. But on my website, on eatfeelfresh.com, on the quiz, I have separated the results between the mind and the body because I think that helps give you a lot more detailed analysis of who you are. And I notice a lot of my clients are like, like their personalities and their bodies are doing two different things. Mm-hmm. And that's because of their, their vicarity, they're, they're off balance. So it's not going to be the same. So whenever you're treating your body, you need to be treating for your imbalance, your vicarity, not your prophecy and what you were born with. You're always treating for, treating for the symptoms of what is going on. So Typically, like if you take my quiz, look for the things that you're imbalanced in. Like if you notice you're constipated or acidic and things like that and treat for that dosha. Yeah, because I, you know, I I used to volunteer at uh, the Chopra Center and the way that I worked for, I did this, I volunteered for this um, journey into healing and it was very big on like Ayurveda and understanding. They also did the whole mind body thing. And I think it gives us a little more, um, it gets us a little more in depth, you know? And I think a lot of that time, cause it's like, you know, it reminds me of that book, like uh, Eastern body, Western mind kind of thing. And it's, what like, was that? oh, it's, yeah, it's a book about like all the different um, chakras and it's talking about like having this Eastern body, but then understanding like the Western mind that like the go, go, go business is obviously like the way we live is completely different than the way they live in India. So that's something that we really need to honor. Um, But I wanted to talk about your recent induction as the youngest member of the nutritional round table of Harvard. I was just like, oh my God, I like sent you a message. I was like, I'm so proud. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Boston and I went to Boston University and um, I spoke at Michelle Obama's Let's Move campaign event at Harvard Medical School while I was in college. And I've just been very involved in just sort of like what Harvard is doing and just schools in Boston in general, because Boston is kind of the biggest city in America. I think there's 800,000 college students there. So Harvard is sort of the leader in setting what health looks like on college campuses. Um, so in the nutrition roundtable, I mean, I was by far the youngest person, like people in their 60s and 70s. Um, But 
the things that they were doing were really amazing. So they're, they've switched. So most college campuses, they get their food that's like pre, pre-packaged, pre-cooked, pre-seasoned with like all these GMOs and salt because it's more cost-effective, especially because they have an all-you-can-eat meal plan. So most colleges don't want to splurge on that. But Harvard has changed that now all of their food is local. They try to get as much organic as possible. Um, they make the food there instead of they buy like just local ingredients and make the stuff there. They've reduced their red meat consumption by 30%. They've reduced their um, salt consumption. They use this thing called diamond salt, which is this diamond shaped hollow like salt. So you get that same taste, but there's actually less salt in it. It's like half the amount of salt. Or, um, you know, just they, they'll use like lemon juice instead of adding seasonings and things like that. So it was really awesome. We got a tour of the whole facility and listened to many people at the Harvard School of Public Health speak about their projects and endeavors. Um, a lot of their focus this year was on reducing dairy consumption, which was really great to see because most people are not talking about that at all. Awesome. So it's like, where, I mean, Harvard's obviously like paving the road. Where do you see food in school systems in the next five to 10 years? Um, I'm, I think, well, they have to respond to what students want. So the whole thing was they're like, we're ready to like eliminate red meat off campus, but students keep requesting it. So as the education increases and like we stop asking for these things, they'll respond. They're just going to give us what, what we want. So, you know, there's, there definitely is that movement towards like being healthier and things like that. So like us healthy people, we need to spread the word to the non-healthy people because that's how it's going to grow. But if it remains this kind of like elitist margin of like, oh, I only eat vegan, but I don't talk to anyone else who doesn't, then the movement's not going to grow. So we have to really get out there and educate our peers because that's how we're going to make a huge impact. We are just one person, but if we can get into school systems and governments and things like that, that's how like monumental change, that's how we can shut down factory farms finally. Oh, so powerful. I know it's, you know, it's really interesting because like I was talking about earlier with you, how, you know, you're showing products of like, oh, this is healthier. Or like, oh, look at how much sugar is in this. Like stay away from this. And I think like talking earlier too about social media, it's like, that's, this is how we're starting to get the conversation going. And I think for you to be that youngest member of that board, representing that youth voice I think it's showing that like this is doable like we are here to we can really shift the paradigm if we continue to like be authentic and like share the wisdom that we have and to be able to be like hey there is a healthier alternative because a lot of people they just don't know where to start and a lot of people they've been conditioned to be like oh this is how I was raised and this is how you know it's not until something either drastic in their lives or someone some like influencer that they follow tells them to check this out. That's when they start to really go forth and be like, Oh, Hey, like, you know, I should really look into this. And it's really interesting. Cause like when I walk into like your average grocery store, I feel sick walking through them because I'm like, I am so energetically sensitive now that I, I feel the preservatives and I feel like the lack of food that's there. And you're lucky if you have this small little corner of organics and it's super cool how I feel how like EBTs, like your food stamps are now being accepted at farmer markets because it's like giving that kind of um, an initiative. But I think, you know, the biggest thing that we really need to be concerned about too is like our clean water, you know, and like with everything that's going on right now with Standing Rock, it's like 
it's ridiculous that it's cheaper for you to go to a gas station and buy a soda than it is for you to buy a water bottle. I know. Or a beer. Or a beer. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, these are the things that people of our age, of the youth, are really like becoming spiritual activists and understanding our connection to to the water, to the elements, to our land, understanding, you know, this whole movement with animals. And um, I know I'm witnessing more and more people eating less and less meat and people are becoming more aware of that. Like a lot of my friends don't eat red meat anymore. Um, they're all like really cutting back and they're seeing it. And I, I feel like a lot of the people that are like our parents or like older generations, or, you know, even when I was in the South this summer, that was a trip and a half because it was like, I went to this like jazz festival and everything that they were eating was all fried and processed stuff. So it's like, you know, like we're blessed because you and I are here in California and we're kind of, we're in this very like progressive state with food that is like we're leading the way like I remember like being in Atlanta airport and it's all junk food landing in LAX and it's like farm to table organic you know and it's like people are like oh my god like there's a reason why I feel like there's a reason why like California is so attractive in that sense because it's like we are literally permeating energy because like there are so many people that are aware of the food and the products that they're using and like understanding the energetic vibe, like frequency that these healthy foods are going. So like, like, I don't know, it's just, it's really fascinating to me to see how, you know, I'm happy to see more farmer markets coming up and more of these like healthier grocery stores. And I'm, I mean, I know with me, like me putting my energy and my money towards these smaller companies that are creating these GMO-free, organic, like 1% for the people. Like, I really feel that that's kind of the net, like the, the way that we're moving is kind of through um, conscious, conscious business and also, um, you know, connect and realizing what really matters, like the whole fair trade. Um, I know where do you see business going in terms of conscious business? Um, I think it's definitely blooming. It is like a friend of mine. She lives in Bangladesh and she's starting the first ever like female sanitary napkins because in Bangladesh, women simply don't have them. They use rags when they get their periods. And it's so taboo to have your period that like you don't even want to tell your husband. So recently what happened was this woman, she left her rag outside and a snake got inside of it. Oh my God. And she put it on herself and the snake went inside her and she died. Wow. So it's like, okay, we really need to start talking about this. But they knew that since it's like a Muslim society, like they're the, the stores refuse to sell pads. They're like, we're not having this in here. And the stores are run by men. So they had to think creatively and they saw that this microfinance model had been working in Bangladesh. So they've set up this kind of like multi-level marketing for pads that they educate the woman in these villages on like how you can use sanitary napkins. And the thing is, was women in Bangladesh, they don't wear underwear. So they're like, okay, well, where will these pads go? So they tied these strings on the side of them. So it's like kind of like, like a diaper kind of in a way, but you only use it, you just use it one time. They educate those women, then those women from those villages will tell the other women, then those women can become leaders. And then it's, you know, like kind of like doTERRA and like a lot of these other companies are doing. So 
I think conscious business is going to become global. If it can happen for sanitary napkins in Bangladesh, like it can happen. Wow, that's so awesome. And like the biggest thing with that too, I know like even in Africa and stuff, like when these young girls have their periods, they don't have their napkins or so they don't go to school. And that's why there's a huge like amount of women and girls that aren't in school because they're staying like on their own. Yeah, you have to take like a week off. It's crazy. Once a month, like that's a lot of school to miss. Yeah. So, I mean, I know there's like companies that like offer kind of like a diva cup too, or they're like educating in that sense. And so um, I think like, you know, education, now we have this technology and I know there's like people like Mark Zuckerberg, for instance, he's trying to bring more internet to places that don't have internet like they're trying to bring three like by I think it's like by 2020 three billion more people will be online than there are right now oh wow so then there's that education happening and that connectiveness and I like I said I feel like I know all the companies that I support they're like donating proceeds to some organization or some movement that they believe in because I also feel like there's a major shift of cooperation versus competition happening. Definitely. Yeah. I think the internet is honestly the most beautiful thing. And I know a lot of like spiritual people are like, get off the internet and like technology detox. And like, yes, there is a time for that. But if you use technology in the right way, it can be the most pivotal and inspirational platform. Like literally when I'm flipping through my Instagram, I feel like I'm like looking through a deck of tarot cards because everyone <laughs> is being so beautiful. Like I literally, I'm like universe send me a sign and I like flip through Instagram and it's like beautiful food photography and like people on their journey and inspirational quotes and like you can make your social media that way. Your social media and what you see is a reflection of what you want to see. And if someone mm-hmm. is posting something that makes you feel insecure or is bringing out something, a shadow of yourself that you don't like, just unfollow them. You can, you, we are consciously creating our own realities and Facebook and social media are what you make of it. Totally. And I also think what's happening too with that though is like embracing the shadow because a lot of times we may, you know, get that and it's like, a trigger point that we need to shift. And I mean, I think everything is based on intention. And I think we're really um, becoming more sensitive to that and becoming more aware of what we follow, who we follow, and if they're in alignment with our truth. But, you know, you were talking earlier about Ayurveda being being aware of that, because that's going to be kind of like the building block. You know, we need that as like our foundation. And that's part of this like holistic life is like, honoring your body, being aware of the food that you're taking so that you can go forth and build the life that you want. Because if you're feeling like shit, you're not going to be able to go out there and do this powerful work that you're meant to do. Yeah, no, I always tell my clients, so I have a 12-week online program. So I found that there are so many people who they live in places like Atlanta or in wherever else that they don't have access to like farmers markets and all of these things. And they want to learn this amazing, you know, information, but they simply don't have the resources. There's no one teaching them around. They don't have a community around. So I created a 12 week online program. That's basically like what I wish I had when I wanted to start studying Ayurveda, because when I went to India, they had a very, very archaic perspective on Ayurveda that was very like, this is how it is. This is how it's always been. And you don't question it. 
And I'm, I believe everything is a remix. And like, I'm all about taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that and adapting it to work for me. And what works for me is going to change all the time. So when I, I started creating my own version of it, which I called Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type. So I wanted to create a platform online that people can log in and I have, you know, meal plans and guided meditations and exercises and it's in all aspects of health. So part of it is, yes, your digestion, but other parts of it is discovering what are the blocks that are holding you back. What is, you know, a lot of us, we know what's healthy and what's not, but there's something that's withholding us from actually implementing these these tools. So is it is it emotional eating? What's the emotion behind that? Is it insecurity? Well, what is what are you holding on to? Are you holding on to the past? So in the program, it's sort of like a like a cathartic release of all of these these traumas and tensions and stresses and viewpoints. Like I remember when I started to get into health, I thought to be healthy was like you have to follow these like super fit girls who like you know, have these like pre-packaged like chicken breasts and broccoli things. Like I thought that's what health and fitness was. I didn't know there was an alternative. So I really hope to like provide people with some sort of inspiration that shows like you can be healthy and you can still live a normal life. And like, you can still eat things that are not like picture perfect because like life is a balance. And what really matters is that you're, you're mentally and physically balanced because that's really the whole point of this all and you know the only thing that's more toxic than a gmo is a toxic thought totally so so that's really you know what we should focus on and if we're stressing all the time like i miss this workout i ate too many calories then what is self-sabotage it is and you know and that's like um i was reading my friend cassandra bodzak's new book and um i interviewed her and she was talking about like, you know, are we eat, are we eating because of self-sabotage as in like, oh, I'm eating so I can get this skinny or are we eating out of self-love? So I think it's like really being aware of the conversation you're having with yourself. That's like really big. I know with me, like me detoxing and purging so much of what no longer serves over the years. Like I know that's why I got these gallstones. Like these gallstones were like a cure curated like, negative thoughts that were stored in my body that got stuck and my liver is there to process and detox and because I was holding on to them they formed in my gallbladder rushed to the hospital you know and I've passed over 200 gallstones since May and it's like me like taking action and being and I think like we also need to be responsible for the thoughts that we have and understand that like the, the the veil is so thin right now with our thoughts and we are we are manifesting at such rapid levels that it's really we have to really be aware of the words that we speak to mm-hmm. like you know the feelings of like oh I'm, I'm unworthy or like oh like everyone else is doing it or because I'm not like the like this so-and-so person like I'm not going to be able to you know get what I want like those are all the limits that we put on ourselves and our bodies like want want us to thrive. Our minds and our heart want us to thrive. And so I just, you know, it's just going to developing countries myself, you know, where I've seen firsthand like the simplicity of life and, you know, coming from that space of gratitude. Like you have women in these developing countries that carry water for the whole family every day, you know, and here we have it. We're blessed to like just turn on a faucet and we have it. And I think that's the other part that we need to really become aware of is being more in a state of gratitude for the things that are 
considered mundane to us, but would be like, oh my God, like this is a miracle in other places. So it's like that, I think that's also like one of the foundations that we really need to focus on um, in terms of building the life that we love. So I don't know, that's how I feel. Um, I wanna ask you a few questions, little quick fire questions. Who are some of your favorite goddesses or ascendant masters? Um, my favorite goddess is Saraswati, of, of course. course. <laughs> um, so Saraswati is the Hindu goddess of creativity, of education, literature, music. I feel so deeply connected to her. Of course, my name is similar to her, but because my whole life, I've just been a very creative and artistic person. And I have tried to put on the hat of being like, you know, my family putting on pressure, like go into something that makes more money and like finance, real estate and like trying. And I'm just like, whoa, cannot. Like, I just feel so in flow when I'm creating. And when I'm writing, I, I'm not even present. It's like, I suddenly become like a medium and like the universe is just like using my fingers to like flow through me. So Saraswati is my goddess for sure. Um, Right now, I'm actually like working on a project that I want to bring in the different goddesses with different recipes and eating different foods to bring out qualities of those goddesses. Yes. So doing a lot of research on the different archetypes, not only Hindu goddesses, but ancient Roman, Greek, uh, Chinese, Japanese goddesses, and then studying what they were eating at that time and how we can kind of shift our diet to bring that out. That's amazing because to me that that sounds so much like looking looking doing this work as a global citizen because you know like so many people just like oh I need to study like the Greek goddesses or like oh I need to study all the Hindu goddesses when it's like all of them have so many incredible things to share you know oh yeah like I love Queen Isis like she's my queen and I love like Mary Magdalene and um, Kali, Kali Ma has been like my go-to lately, like burning away. And I think that when we just focus on one like ethnic type of goddess, it's like we're, we're, we're shorting ourselves. And, sure. and, you know, and it's like, this is, it's so awesome because we realize that like we can tap into these goddesses and like they're part of us, like they're here with us all the time. And it's like, that's part of like, oh, you're never alone. Like you can really like connect with them and be like, oh, hey, like I like, I'm like, Sekhmet, help me like get through this. Like, give me the strength right now, you know? Or I'm like, oh, Mother Mary, like, please like um, help me bring in this miracle. Like there's so many different things. And that's something that I am extremely passionate about is like helping people understand these other goddesses. And like, you know, we got white buffalo Catwoman that's been clearly making her presence like, extremely loud lately oh yeah that was beautiful oh god I cry thinking about it like I she channeled through me the other like a couple weeks ago and I just bawled crying I was like why me why am I the lucky one that gets all these messages like I'm here to share it I'm here but like oh man like they they're so powerful so with that being said what does a goddess what does being a goddess mean to you you know being a goddess to me is just being your truest self. I don't, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, a goddess has to be like perfect and like have gorgeous hair and like be like, you know, it's like almost like this like diva type of thing because we throw around the word so much. Superficial. And yeah, and we are all already godly beings. 
just as we are. And it's like, we are, we are all, all of the goddesses. We are all powerful warriors and we are all mothers and we are all sensual and like all of these things. And like, once you just allow yourself to tap into all of the shades and textures that make you a woman, then you are a goddess. That's so amazing. Yeah. And I think like this rise of the goddess, cause you know, like the chakra, like the, our root chakra is ruled by the masculine and that's where a lot of our security and our safety and protection, like a lot of our shame and our insecurities and stuff are really in that, that root chakra. And it's like, because it's been so imbalanced, even as a collective, you know, our sacred chakra is, is that water, that feminine creative being. And I think like, She's been so loud because she's ready for us as like, you know, as a Kundalini teacher, I, I, that's how I'm seeing this all. It's like, she's like yelling at this at, at our root being like, wake up. Like you are safe as you are. Like, I want this energy to rise. Like I want, I want you to like, be able to like be comfortable, like with this foundation as you follow your truth and allow me to rise. So I think that's been part of the whole healing of the masculine and the rising of the feminine, you know? And I think that's what we're really witnessing right now. So um, where do you see feminine leadership heading? We might have a female president in a few days. So um, not that she'd be the best one, but it's still definitely something. But I definitely think that, you know, women are stepping up to leadership, but leadership does not mean becoming a man. Leadership does not mean becoming a CEO of Fortune 500 company. Leadership can be owning whatever it is you want to do. And I think like we put a lot of pressure on women that you have to do it all and like have this business and a career, but like also be a mother and like also do this and that. And I think now women are being like, you know what? I'm naturally more feminine and I don't want those goals. Those aren't mine. Those aren't true to me. So I'm not going to put on your pants because I'm going to like rock it in my dress right now and still be just as powerful as you are tell them yes yeah and I also think it's um also like women are starting to say no like knowing to say no and that it's okay for them to say no because they're becoming to know themselves and it's like no that doesn't resonate with me so that's what I feel um what are some of your favorite crystals Favorite costumes? Crystals. Crystals. Um, hmm. I love aquamarine. I just love anything that is turquoise. And I don't know. I mean, I like Amphast for clarity. I used to have to have a lot of tourmaline and grounding stuff because I had a lot of ideas, but I wasn't able to like figure out what it is I wanted to do. Um, so really, they just change according to where I am in my life. I agree. I mean, there's so many and it's like kind of like an Oracle card, right? Or it's like, I need this guidance right now. Or like, as you said, I need this Instagram post right now. Like this is what I need to like get me through it. I completely agree with you. Um, Okay. So what advice do you have for those who are on the path to thrive? I think always remain curious The reason I got to where I am is because I'm a very curious person. I'm always asking questions and I always want to learn more. Use use the internet. It is the most amazing resource. You can find everything that you need to know. You just have to have the questions. Mm, Perfect. And um, my last question is, 
what's your spirit animal? Well, I always resonated with peacocks because I love how they're very graceful and beautiful, but at the same time, like you don't mess with a peacock, they'll snap your ass. Like, <laughs> you know, I love that about them. Oh. So, and, like you'll see like on my website and my signature, it's always like peacock, peacock feathers. Feather. Like, yeah. Also, you know, they're Persian and they're Indian. And I remember when I was in India last, I was about to leave for Bali and I got sick in India for the first time. And I eat everything in India, I've never gotten sick. But at that point, the universe was like, you need to leave for Bali. And I was in the middle of Delhi, which is a huge city. Mm-hmm. And I looked out the window and there was a peacock staring right at me, like a real live peacock in the middle of a big city. And I looked and my friend was like, what the hell? It's like, I've lived in India my whole life. I've never seen that. And it was just like a sign to me. So peacocks, but also when I speak and lead retreats, I've had multiple people tell me they've seen a panther come through. Mm. there might be a panther which i which i also think is very graceful and powerful at the same time oh totally yes awesome and so um where can we find you um on eatfeelfresh.com i have a quiz that you can discover your mind body type so i really recommend taking that so you can see how much vata pizza coffee you are and find out the rest best food and lifestyles for you and I have tons of free gifts that you can download I have speaking about the pain that you feel in your emotion and releasing gallstones I have a chart an emotional pain body chart and it shows where you're holding pain on your body and what emotion it's tied to and of course my Instagram and Facebook are also eat feel fresh so I'm always posting stuff on there my stories obviously tell you what to eat and what not to at the grocery store so you can find me everywhere eat feel fresh Thank you for being a strong, powerful paradigm shifter. And I'm really excited to see you continue to share these messages and even help us share spices that can help us get off these pharmaceuticals and um, all these different things. Yeah. Yeah. The article I wrote yesterday is about turmeric has been found to be more effective than Prozac for depression. See, we have the medicine. We have it all. Thank you, Mother Gaia. So thank you so much again for being with me. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to keep tuning in to different episodes and getting to know your whole community. Yay. Thank you, sister. And thank you everyone for joining. I hope you all have a lovely rest of your day. Take care. Namaste, Satnam.